Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, and Embedded is back. And we recently realized it's hard to assess a politician who has virtually no political record. But with Donald Trump, we tried anyway. And we wound up with stories and lessons from the record he does have in business and on TV. Listen on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Fira. So today we're playing a game about fashion. Mm-hmm. So fashion speed round. What do you call a garment with a waistline just below the bust line? That is an empire waist. That is right. Mm-hmm. What do you call the diagonal direction of a woven fabric? That's called the bias. <laughs> Correct again. And finally, what is NPR's dress code? Uh, nonprofit fabulous. <laughs> From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. We have a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are backstage discussing their hatred of punny Halloween costumes. I'm looking at you, Freudian slip. (laughs) Today our guest is Adam Conover, the host of True TV's optimistically titled show, Adam Ruins Everything. And Adam plays a friendly know-it-all who debunks people's commonly held conceptions of fun things, uh, diamonds, wine, vacations. He's a little bit nerdy, uh, but generally right, which means he's pretty much like everybody on our staff and all of our contestants, (laughs) so he's going to fit right in. Our first two contestants will play a game where they go back to school, and that's school with a K to make it cooler. (laughs) Let's meet them. First up, June Chin on buzzer number one. You're from Greenwich, Connecticut, where you're a stay-at-home mom with three sons. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. Your opponent is Seth Wallen on buzzer number two. You're a financial analyst for an advertising company. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. June and Seth, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. So let's start with a word game called Pre-K Education. Every answer is going to be something you learned in school, but we've changed one letter to a K. So let's go to Jonathan Colton for an example. If we said, in biology, the sequence of changes an organism goes through from birth to death, and the positive social media feedback it receives in the process, you would answer, like cycle, changing one letter of life cycle to a K. Just like pre-K, as easy as pre-K. It's as easy as pre-K. It's not going to be a problem. (laughs) And here we go. In science, this theory states that the universe began from one singularity, then exploded into a gigantic financial institution. June. The Big Bank Theory. (laughs) Yes, sure, that works. In 10th grade English, Chaucer wrote this 14th century collection of medieval stories about trendy, leafy, vitamin K-rich vegetables. Seth. The Canterbury Kale? You got it. Mm-hmm. And if that is not the name of a vegetarian restaurant in Brooklyn, Austin, Ann Arbor, uh-huh. it's a, Portland. It's a, it's a medieval themed <laughs> vegetarian, vegetarian restaurant. Vegetarian restaurant. It's mm-hmm. a good idea. 
In world history, this monarch's version of the Bible is the most widely published book in history. And he had a cramp in his neck. June. King James Bi Kink James Bible. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Answers Kink James. We wrote a clue to be nice and family friendly. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> in music class, it's a simple beginner's wind instrument that children can use to reseal a wine bottle. June. A recorker. That's right. Yeah. My question is, why didn't you finish the bottle? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, you still made it to work. Um, <laughs> in philosophy, Plato wrote this parable about people who have never seen anything except the shadows of sweet baked goods served at birthday parties. Seth. The cake. Okay. The, I, I the like allegory of the cake. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because I, it's hard to be like, no, we're not looking for just the cake. <laughs> Although I, I know what a, you were doing. I was about to phrase it as a question, too. Yeah. That's not <laughs> right. That's right. When you, Please don't no, do that. That's when you get everything deducted. That's right. In literature. This group of counterculture writers, including William Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg, had hard, bird-like projections on their faces. Seth. The Beaks. The Beaks is correct. This is your last clue. In language arts, this literary device provides a suggestion of things to come, specifically which eating utensil a character will use. June. Fork shadowing. Yeah, you got it. Huzziger, Archung, how did our contestants do? They did great in a really tough game. June, well done. You're one step closer to the final round. Remember landlines? I'll remind us all in our next audio quiz. Let's check in with our contestants. June, what are the ages of your boys? Six and three quarters. He's very particular. Okay. Three and a half and a three month old. Six, three, and three months. Yes. Wow. Okay. Hey, you're out too. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's very you. exciting. It's yeah. Okay. So I'm raising a boy. Uh, what advice do you have for me? Um, bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> like, just curtain them off, or yeah, it's it's more of you know they they really see. I feel like the whole world as their bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we set limits, but it's actually, it's actually really good for road trips and things like that, because you can just be like, go, go, you know, <laughs> parks. Okay, I th road trips, I was like, are you opening a window? What's going on in this story? Yeah. Go, go. Good. Seth, for your job, you once cut a check for $6 million? Yeah. Uh, six million. What, what costs $6 million, first of all? Advertising. Just <laughs> anything. 30 seconds during the Super Bowl. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, sure. Like, what's the biggest check you've ever written in your life? I don't think I write checks. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. I, I, How about, I, uh, I Venmo people? Yeah, what's the largest amount you Venmoed with a little thing that's like, pie time yeah. or ha whatever? Hashtag millennial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go to your next game. Remember phones? Remember phones without caller ID. Do you remember that? Just ring, ring, hello, 
he didn't know anything, an adventure would begin. <laughs> well, we have an audio quiz for you, and we're opening up the Ask Me Another hotline to phone calls from TV and movie characters and musicians. I'm going to tell you what the caller ID says. We'll hear the caller say hello, and then I'll ask you a question about them. So, June, you won the last game, so you win this, and you are off to the final round. Seth, you need to win this, or you're going to have to call someone without texting them first to warn them. Here we go. Looks like our first call is coming in from the Cliffs of Insanity. Hello, you're on Ask Me Another. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. What movie is that guy calling from? Seth. The Princess Bride. That's right, yep. He's a good conversation starter. <laughs> Our next call is coming from the set of The Truman Show. Hello. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hmm, he seemed nice. What actor was that? Seth. Jim Carrey. That is correct, yeah. Now, if I remember right, that movie was sort of warning us about <laughs> reality shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then... I wish to God we had listened. <laughs> <laughs> Our next caller is on the line from Gotham City. Hello. Well, hello, beautiful. Mm, creepy, creepy. What Batman villain was that? June. The Joker. That is correct, yeah. Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Uh, looks like L Driver is calling us from the hospital. Hello. Hello, Bill. Hmm. What movie is she calling from? Seth. Kill Bill? Yeah, exactly. Not that you need it, but do you want to specify which one it is? Uh, so is Daryl Hannah and... Oh, uh, volume? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant which assassin. No, volume. I like that. I like that, though. <laughs> I just watched Blade Runner, so it's like... Yeah, right, uh, sure. Volume one? Yeah, right, of course. Well, of course, I know. We both used to be in the Deadly Viper assassination squad, right? right. But, yeah. Uh, I thought I recognized you. Yeah. <laughs> it was time-consuming. All right. Ah, Billy Crystal is on the phone. Hello. Hi, boys. How are you? Yeah, I was just roping over there. I thought I'd... Mosey on over. You know, I'd never moseyed before. Hope I did it correctly. <laughs> what film is he calling from? June. City Slicker. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is your last call. Uh, this person is calling from a lecture hall. Hello. Which musician was that? Seth. Lionel Richie? <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> Puzziger Archung, how did our contestants do? Congratulations, Seth. You won that game. <laughs> so, Seth and June, you've each won a game, so it's time for a quick game three. I'm going to give you a category, and you go back and forth naming things that fall into that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. Buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. Name the nine U.S. vice presidents who became president when their running mate died or resigned. June, you're first. Andrew Johnson. That is correct. 
Seth. Harry Truman? Harry Truman, correct. Seth, June. Lyndon B. Johnson. Correct. Seth. Whoever was after Garfield. <laughs> I can't accept that. Do you want to throw out one of 42 other people? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can have to James you... Polk? No, I'm sorry. That is not one of the remaining answers. The remaining answers were Chester A. Arthur, Calvin Coolidge, Millard Fillmore, Gerald Ford, Theodore Roosevelt, and John Tyler. Seth, we're sorry to see you go. June, congratulations. You're moving on to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against June in our final round, and we'll be joined by Adam Conover, host of Adam Ruins Everything. And we'll find out how he manages to be a tolerable know-it-all. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Paramount Pictures and Black Bear Pictures with the new film Suburbicon. The film stars Matt Damon as a man who goes to great lengths to protect his family after a murder disrupts their quiet community. Variety says it will reel you in and keep you hooked until the end. Also starring Julianne Moore and Oscar Isaac. Directed by George Clooney, Suburbicon arrives in theaters October 27th. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. He's the creator and host of True TV's Adam Ruins Everything, and a podcast also called Adam Ruins Everything. Please welcome Adam Conover. Hello, it's wonderful to be here. Adam. This is cool. It's nice, right? Welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you. I gotta say, you seem like a happy-go-lucky guy for a guy that goes around ruining all the wonderful things in life, exposing the dark secrets behind wine, art, vacations, diamonds, wellness. Uh, So why is ignorance not bliss? Oh, that's a really, that's a wonderful question to start with. I mean, it's one of our mottos on the show is it's always better to know. That's something that I say on the show all the time and something that I that I truly believe, you know, because even if it's momentarily uncomfortable to learn uh, something new, something, something bad about the thing that you like, it gives you more power and agency in the world when you know the thing, you know? It gives you more control over the world around you if you can understand it as it truly is. And I, and I think that... It is also more fun to know. I, I fundamentally believe, you know, like the show brings the viewer. About, I'm talking. I'm also talking to a character on the show that I'm sort of enlightening about whatever the thing is. Yeah. And then we want the same process to happen to the audience watching at home, where at first it's like uncomfortable. Your gears grind <laughs> a little bit to learn, like, oh no, oh my fish is a lie, you know, or whatever it is. Because <laughs> because if you go eat, you know, like for instance, tuna at a sushi restaurant, uh, uh, the vast majority of it is actually a different type of fish. That's, uh, for instance, I know, right. someone someone just yelled, ah! Right. In the it's, crowd. Like, it's like 
tilapia or high it, grade cod or yeah, something like that. Yeah, like lots that. of different, especially white tuna is a real culprit, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it's a bummer to find that out, but it's also a funny once you think about it that that they're lying about all these because I mean, what a small time crime to be lying about <laughs> what kinds of fish they are you're eating. And then also, it's it's better to know, you know, like now you know. Okay, maybe I'll avoid that, or maybe, or I don't know. I ordered tuna anyway at a sushi restaurant. Just now I know what I'm getting. Right. You know. Well, you know, you guys do a lot of fact checking, and of course, you yeah. have interviews with scientists and sociologists, yep. and you do extended interviews on your podcast yep, with these with people. Yeah. With those people. Yeah. And then people probably get quite angry that they deal with these facts. What is what is the angriest email that you have received? Oh God. Um. Unfortunately, all the ones that flash through my mind are, I don't think I can say on the radio. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I do like to engage with people because I think that very often there's like a misunderstanding at play, you know. Um, we made a passing reference to the existence of the wage gap, um, of, the, of the, you know, male-female wage gap. And we were talking about how if the fact that in America our culture is that we're secretive about our salaries is can per help perpetuate the wage gap, you know, because if people aren't comparing how much money they make, then it's easier for that disparity to exist. Whereas if everyone just walked around going, oh, oh I make 50K, I make 45. Hold on a second. Right. You know, then, then we'd be able to solve that gap easier. This guy tweeted at me and he said, how dare you perpetuate the myth of the wage gap? And I said, well, what do you think we got wrong about this? And he said, well, the figures that you cited compared male and female salaries across all occupations. If you compare it within occupations, the gap is much smaller. It's more like 3%, but it does still exist. <laughs> and I was like, so we just disagree about the size of the wage gap? And he was like, yes, and also I think you're probably right about salary transparency being a way to fix this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I think we're... And he was like, yes, thank you for the talk. <laughs> It often helps to go to people and be like, I'm a person, you're a person. How, what, 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 let's talk about it a little bit. I try to do that as much as I can. Yeah. And how has uh, debunking some of these commonly held conceptions changed your life? Have you altered... <laughs> your own actions or I try to it's hard yeah you know it, it, it's putting knowledge into practice is you know that's a whole other ball of wax um, and so it's not it's not always obvious how to do it we talk about on the show about how the idea that you must bathe every day is to a certain extent, a manufacturer on the part of the soap industry <laughs> which sounds which sounds very silly but it's true uh, they w sort of promoted this idea that you are unclean unless you, you know, and you can feel the dirt on you, can't you? And it's unhealthy not to go use our product every day, once a day, right? If you talk to a dermatologist, which we do on the show, she says, well, look, it's not that bad for you, but you don't need to do it. A couple times a week is fine, you know? So it turns out my roommate in college was right, and he didn't... <laughs> And he didn't need to shout, I'm a once a day, every morning. Despite knowing this truth, I still am stuck in this, uh, you know, in this cycle. So let me ask you this. What do you hope that your viewers do? Like, I feel like the viewers are left in this thing where you want to be empowered with this knowledge to do something. Right. Our main goal is, you know, I, we feel that if you're... 
educated on the issue, if you know if you know more about it, you are de facto empowered. You know, knowledge is only the first step. You know, so. sure. And the show is funny. You have a great approach to this material. Uh, you you grew up in a family with some serious academics, right? Your father's a marine biologist. Very good. Yes. Your mother's a botanist. Yes. Your younger sister has a PhD in, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong, it's like uh, physics. Yes, uh, yes, and she's currently a, a science journalist at the magazine Science News. Yeah. Okay, so with all of this, um, you know, thoughtful, scientific uh, academia around you, what made you go, ah, comedian? I grew up, um, you know, really loving learning and, and you know, but I just, di I couldn't quite hack the reading, you know what I mean? I kind of go insane uh, reading a reading <laughs> reading a book. Uh, I wanted, you know, I wanted to go to grad school in philosophy, and just nobody was like, "You should," you know. They're all like, <laughs> they're all like, "You could." <laughs> But you know, I love I love the you know I love collecting information and learning new things. I just um, it just turned out to sort of not be my path. Um, but I carried that with me, and I sort of had a sense when I went into comedy that I could talk about ideas in the same way that I wanted to, uh, you know, in that sort of academic world. It took about 10 years of just doing comedy, uh, you know, before I figured out how to do it. And that that's pretty much what this show is, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you did a presentation that got a lot of press talking about how there is no such thing as a millennial generation. <laughs> yeah. So I ask you, who are these people walking around Brooklyn drinking rosé <laughs> and eating avocado toast? Who are they? <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you described, like, my mom, first of all. <laughs> Rosé and avocado toast? That's a great, that's a great afternoon for Margaret Conover. Um, anybody loves Rosé and avocado toast? That's my point. Obviously, you know, 18 to 30-year-olds exist, you know, but the question is... <laughs> well, we've all seen them. We've all seen them, you know. They're impossible to ignore. Uh... They're so loud. No, it's fine. Uh, the idea of generations, people talk about it as though it's, again, some kind of division that exists in nature. You know, that every greatest generation gave birth to a baby boomer, and every baby boomer gave birth to a Gen Xer, and every right. Gen Xer gave birth to a millennial. That's not at all true. These are totally arbitrary distinctions. And the question is, are the things that we say about those generations useful to us? You know, are the, is that lens that we're applying useful? And is it like at all interesting or original of a thing to say. And, and so what we found about, you know, looking into it, what people say about millennials is the same thing they've said about every, every generation. Right. Younger people are obsessed with technology <laughs> and selfish and they're lazy and they live with their parents. They've said that about, guess what? That's because they're young people. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. Yeah. This is so obvious to everyone, you know? That was the lightest piece I've ever done because it was, I honestly did it for a marketing conference. I had no idea it would be taped. They gave me a tape of it. I was like, let me throw it on YouTube. It went genuinely viral because millennials are so sick and tired of being, of this reductive nonsense that they shared it like crazy because they were like, enough of this. You know, they, they, were, they were so. That is so millennial for them to share it. <laughs> Adam, are you ready for your Ask Me Another Challenge? Look, whether or not I'm ready, it's going to happen, so okay. let's do it. All right. Adam Conover, everybody. Thank you, thank you. So, Adam, because you're 
show is called Adam Ruins Everything. We wrote a trivia game for you called Adam Fixes Everything. Oh, okay. Okay, so these are questions about things that are famously broken or messed up in some way. And if you do well enough, Christina Rogers from Mars, Pennsylvania is going to win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really nice. Okay, here's your first question. No one knows exactly how this object was first cracked. Official reports say it was last heard in Philadelphia in 1846 during a celebration of George Washington's birthday. What is it? Uh, The Liberty Bell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, what Greek statue on display at the Louvre depicts a woman who may have been holding an apple or a shield or maybe an iPad? But we don't know for sure because her arms are missing. This would be the Venus de Milo. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I was like, is this a trick question? It's too easy. I know. Two decades ago, engineers removed more than 70 tons of earth under the foundation of this Italian structure to keep it from tilting any further. And they say it should be okay for (laughs) another few hundred years. What is it? It would be the leaning tower of pizza. Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that that it is... Pisa. Pisa. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> this is your last clue. Okay. Rumor had it that Napoleon fired a cannon at this statue's schnoz. However, drawings of this noseless Egyptian statue predate him. So, what's the statue? This is the mysterious Sphinx. Okay. Yeah. Correct. Why, thank you. I, alone among you, have heard of the Sphinx. <laughs> have you heard any competing rumors? About where the nose, about where the nose went. Who did it? I'm going to hazard a guess. Sure. Normally, when there's an explanation for something like this, it is act- when there's a really interesting story for why something is and the story is not true, normally the actual reason is the most boring reason imaginable. Right. So I think in this case, it's just that like, the nose was kind of like a sticky-outy part of the sculpture. <laughs> and the structural integrity of the stone was not enough to withstand, like, a couple thousand years of sitting around outside. So, of course, it fell off. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> you don't know? That's possible. Uh, you know, no, well, there's, no, there's nothing confirmed. Uh. There's nothing confirmed. <laughs> I thought you had nothing on your paper. All right, no, no. Uh, I know that it may have been... Uh, religiously motivated in the 14th century. Oh, uh, that they like would take vandalism. The nose off? Yeah, they, yeah. A bunch of millennials are the ones. <laughs> That's right. Who did it? That's they got a bad rap. Adam, you did amazing. Congratulations. Thank you, you and Christina Rogers both won. Ask me another Rubik's cubes. Adam ruins everything. Is on True TV. Give it up for Adam Conover. Hey, thank you very much. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook and Twitter. In our next game, we imagine what would happen if Heidi Klum hosted the Scripps National Spelling Bee. As you know, in spelling bees, one word you're in, the next word you're out. Let's meet our next two contestants. First up, Ruchi Nanda on buzzer number one. You were a financial consultant, but you just started business school with an aim to move into the entertainment industry. Welcome. 
Thanks for having me. Uh, so Ruchi, you considered auditioning for MasterChef. Yes, I did. But then you found out it's a big time commitment. Um, I was very interested in auditioning. They were coming to New York City. Um, and I found out it's a three-month commitment. And you spend most of your time in a hotel, learning recipes, learning how to cook. Fortunately, I've already made my tuition payment. There's no way I can leave school now. <laughs> right, so once, once you're locked in there, that's it. No friends, no family, no outsiders. You're no. doing that show. But that's also why they're so good, I guess, right? That is. That's why every single dish looks like it's restaurant quality. Mm -hmm. All right, makes sense. I'm sorry that you're not part of it, but maybe they'll be like <laughs> MasterChef part-time. <laughs> Your opponent is Katie Jurina on buzzer number two. You work in account management at a media consulting firm, and you've been trained to see advertising everywhere you look. Welcome. Thank you. Katie, you recently started making vision boards, which I love. Now, please explain for those of us who do not know what a vision board is, what it is, and why you make them. So it's kind of like what middle school girls did in their rooms, but like with a purpose. <laughs> I mean, uh, with cutting magazine things yeah, out, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Didn't really quite get where that one was going. Um, but yeah, it's like a visual representation of the things you want to manifest in the next year or so. So what do you do with a board that represents a goal you did not meet? We have a super high-quality shredder at the office. <laughs> um, and it's like really satisfying to see everything yeah. just sort of like decimate yeah. before your eyes, much like your life over the past six months. So, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for that answer. Remember, Ruchi and Katie win two games, and you move on to our final round. Let's go to your first game. So your game is called Spelling Bee Style. It's simple. We're going to read you a sentence about a fashion brand, but the last word is a blank. You need to fill in the blank by spelling the fashion word. Here we go. Maya Rudolph is known for her impression of this Italian fashion house owner, Donatella Blank. Katie. V-E-R-S-A-C-E. Versace. Yeah. That's right. We're not kidding. It's really a spelling game. That's what we're doing. <laughs> NBA star Steph Curry has a sweet endorsement deal with the athletic apparel company under blank. Katie. A-R-O-M-R. -R, armor. No, mm -mm -mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you know it's incorrect. Yeah. Uh, Ruchi, can you steal? A-R-M-O-U-R. That's right. Yeah. It's an American company, but the founder chose the British or Canadian spelling of armor with a U because in the early 2000s, he thought it would, be ma it would make for a better toll-free number. one 888 armor my preppy friend pops the collar on his polo shirt from this label, founded in 1985, Tommy Blank. Katie. H-I-L-F-I-G-E-R. Hilfiger? Yeah, that's correct. This Japanese fashion brand used to be called Unique Clothing Warehouse, but shortened it to blank. Ruchi. U-N-I-Q-L-O. That's right. Uniqlo. I splurge on a $98 pair of Wonder Under yoga pants from Canadian athleisure brand Blank. Ruchi. Lululemon, L-U-L-U-L-E-M-O-N. That is correct, yes. This is your last clue. 
the one-time Project Runway judge who critiqued a contestant's pants by saying, that crotch is insane, <laughs> is fashion designer Michael Blank. Ruchi. Kors, K-O-R-S. Yeah, that's right. All right, Puzzleguru Archung, how did our contestants do? It was a close game. Ruchi, well done. You're one step closer to our final round. If you know how to spell Coors because it was in Monday's crossword puzzle between Kettle and Ragnarok, you should be a contestant on our show. Go to amatickets.org. Coming up, Jonathan Colton and I will try to guess a mystery guest's secret. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, and Embedded is back. And we recently realized it's hard to assess a politician who has virtually no political record. But with Donald Trump, we tried anyway. And we wound up with stories and lessons from the record he does have in business and on TV. Listen on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ask Me Another is coming back to Orlando. We'll be at Hard Rock Live at Universal City Walk on October 19th. And we'll be joined by best-selling author Roxanne Gay. For tickets and information, go to amatickets.org. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Ruchi and Katie. Soon they'll play a game where Jonathan Colton gets in touch with his inner simian. Let's check in with them. Ruchi, what would be your dream unlikely animal-friend combo? So my favorite animal has always been the killer whale. And there are a ton, <laughs> a ton of YouTube videos of killer whales just savagely killing seals, juggling them on their tails, things like that. If they could just get along, I yeah. think the world would just be such a better place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes you, you, know, you put these questions together because you just think there's some lighthearted fun, but mm -hmm. then you realize people really think about this. Which you've been thinking about for a long time. It's like in their heart and soul. Katie, what would your dream unlikely animal friend combo be? I'd love to see a platypus and a giraffe, um, both sort of like visually disturbing, but in really <laughs> different ways. Now, would they, would they hang out on the shore? Or would the giraffe enter the water? Would the... On the shore. I mean, the okay. giraffe's physicality sort of makes him the boss since he's so okay, much larger. But I would love to see like a buddy cop sort of situation. So they're solving crimes like in sub-Saharan Africa or something. Yeah. Right? That's great. Okay. Your next game is a music parody game called Monkey Business. Yes, we rewrote songs by the monkeys to be about other zoo animals. Sorry, monkeys. Ring in to tell me the name of the animal. If you're correct, you can earn a bonus point by identifying the monkey song I'm parodying. Ruchi, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're off to the final round. Katie, you need to win this, or you're going to be sent away with a DVD of Matt Damon's family film, We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> Jonathan Colton, take it away. Okay, here we go. People think I'm big and bad from fairy tale, but I help the ecosystem hum. If they hear me howling, my buddy's got my back. 
You're never lonely when you're in a pack. Ruchi. Wolves. Wolves is correct. I'm supposed to tell you that I will accept wolf, but really we're looking for gray wolf. <laughs> to which I said, what other kind of wolves even are there? Yes. Not accepted would have been she-wolf, teen-wolf, hungry like a wolf. Right. Not, not accepted. <laughs> for a bonus point, can you name the original song? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was I'm a Believer. I'm a native of China in a place without congestion. My big paw will give the thumbs up if you answer this one question. Tell me true. Where's my bamboo? Give me bamboo. Katie. Panda. Panda is correct. For a bonus point, can you name the song? God, no. God, no. That bodes well. I was last trained to Clarkville. By the way, that was the giant panda, but we're going to accept panda. Yep. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh, I could hide in the trees With my spots that blend with ease I can munch on leaves that reach so high Skinny legs that kick so strong And neck vertebrae so long there's no mammal that's as tall as I. Katie. Giraffe. Giraffe is correct. The platypus's friend. Famously. <laughs> Famously. For a bonus point, can you name the original song? Um, that would be... No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Daydream Believer. Oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Just make a note for next time. Here's your next one. You can't deny that I'm reptile royalty. I can flare my hood so you notice me. The charmers use their flutes to put me in a trance. My venom's strong enough to kill some elephants. I eat my fellow snakes. I don't know. It's in Wikipedia. Katie. Cobra? King Cobra? I have to accept it, even though what I want you to say is King Cobra, which you just said. Thank you. King Cobra. For a bonus point, can you... (laughs) Nope, nope, can't do it. I'm not your stepping stone, was that one? Here's your last clue. Here we stand Looking out's our job we live in underground tunnels in a gang or mob. Come visit our manor. You've probably seen us on TV. The Kalahari Desert is now where we tend to be. Ruchi. Meerkat. Meerkat is correct. This is very important, Ruchi. For a bonus point, can you name the song? No. At all. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> that was called Theme from the Monkeys. <laughs> our Chung added our contestants too. Congratulations, Katie. You won that game. <laughs> so you each won a game, and now it's time for a quick game three. I'm going to have to give you a category, and you'll go back and forth naming things that fall into that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. Buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. Name the eight 
produce products blended together in the original formulation of V8 juice? Ruchi, you're first. Tomato. Correct. Katie. Carrot. Carrots is correct. Ruchi. Celery. Celery, correct. Katie. Cucumber. No, I'm sorry, that's not one of the ingredients. The remaining ingredients were beets, lettuce, parsley, spinach, and watercress. Mm. Katie, I'm Naturally. sorry to see you go. Ruchi, you're headed to the final round. While Ruchi and June get ready to play our final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is Mystery Guest. A stranger is about to come on stage. Jonathan and I have no idea what this person does or what makes them special, but our puzzle guru, Art Chung, does. That's right, Ophira. You and Jonathan will work together as a team to figure out our Mystery Guest secret by asking yes or no questions. Mystery Guest, please introduce yourself. My name is Steve Baldwin, and I lead an unusual tour in Brooklyn. That's right, an unusual Brooklyn tour. See if you can guess what the tour is about. Okay, an unusual tour, and your name is Stephen Baldwin. Does your tour have anything to do with Baldwins? No. Okay. <laughs> does your tour have to do with ghosts? Nope. Uh, does your tour take place outside? Yes. Okay. Uh, does it have to do with nature? Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. There's not... Does it have to do primarily with flora as opposed to fauna? No. Hmm. Oh, wait. Does it have to do with fauna? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, would I be looking up for most of this tour? Yes. Wow. Not cockroaches. Good one. <laughs> and not rats. Uh... Is this a tour that has to do with birds? Yes, it is. Uh -huh. Ooh. Okay, is it one kind of bird we're dealing with? Yes. All right, well, this is good. I mean, we're in New York City. Yeah. Is it about pigeons? No. No. <laughs> okay, is it about uh, any bird in the crow family? Nope. Hmm? Is it a bird of prey? No. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's it. There's three kinds of birds. Pigeons. <laughs> Pigeon crows, Pigeon crows, vultures. birds of prey. There's yeah, nothing else. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. There's some other birds out there. Is it about a particular bird? Yes, it is. It all is right. a bit about right. a particular bird. Does this bird have a distinctive call? Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Very distinctive. <laughs> Very distinctive. Is it about lost parrots? Yes, parrots. It is. What? Yep. It is. What? It is. Yeah. Wow. Well done, Ophira. Steve leads a monthly wild parrot safari around Brooklyn College, where a community of wild Quaker parrots have found a home. It is believed that these parrots can trace their origin to a shipment of parrots that escaped from JFK Airport in the 70s. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> how? Okay, wait. Is, what? <laughs> First of all, how big are these parrots? They're actually smaller than a pigeon, but larger than a sparrow. Somewhere in between. Okay, and what color are they? Well, they're mostly green, but they also have blue flight feathers and a sort of bone-colored bill or beak. There's little green parrots flying around Brooklyn? There is. How many of them are there? I mean, you don't know for sure. No obviously. one knows. Uh, yeah. Every year, the Audubon Society counts them, but I think they undercount them. They said there were about 400, according to their account. But, but that's in the whole New York City area. It's not just Brooklyn. 
So where do the birds live in Brooklyn College? Well, there are very tall stadium lights around the, the uh, soccer field. Yeah. They have the nests up there, but also off campus, there is a particular thorny tree in which they build <laughs> very large colonial nests. I can't imagine the challenges that they must face living in New York City, given that they are indigenous to where? Some They're indigenous to Argentina, uh-huh. and the reason they fit in here is because Argentina is about the same distance south from the equator oh. as we are north, so very similar climate. Wow. But, but their skills at surviving the you know, mean streets of New York City, um, they're very, very vigilant. They're almost paranoid. They're always watching out. <laughs> well, up, that's correct. That's how you do it. <laughs> the, See the, something, say something. Somebody says hello, exactly. you're like, what's this guy? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they also have a very wide-ranging diet. They can eat almost anything. Uh, they eat leaf buds. They, they hit the bird feeders. Uh, they sort of clear them out. And uh, then they also can eat uh, human food. We've actually photographed them uh, lifting slices of pizza off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> do they know how to fold it over when they're... <laughs> They split it in half. They split it in yeah. half, yeah. Dab it with their feathers to get some of that grease <laughs> off. Get some of the grease off, yeah. There's apparently a connection to the mafia. There is possibly a connection to the mafia. <laughs> what? There always Possibly. Is. Possibly. <laughs> Back in the 1960s, Kennedy Airport was rife with corruption. Um, in 1967 or 68, apparently a shipment of parrots came through the airport, and it was marked with a bunch of Argentinian writing, and the guys must have opened it up, figuring there was wine or something else in there, and there were parrots. They just flew out. Yeah, they were like, see you later. Thanks yep. a lot, suckers. Yep. <laughs> and do they talk with a Brooklyn accent? Actually, they do speak in dialect, but I cannot tell you that that is the case. <laughs> there are dialects. I just haven't decoded them. What are their sounds? They have about 15 different um, calls or sequences of notes that indicate different things. Yeah. One sequence might be, hey, there's food, or hey, who are you? Uh, there's a, a common distress call, like a 9-11 call. I can't imitate it, but it's like, ah, 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 ah. everyone immediately. I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Everyone just takes evasive action. So that talking is not just idle chatter. It's like an emergency warning system. My guess, I thought it was a joke guess, turned out to be something kind of better than I ever imagined. (laughs) Thank you so much. Give it up, everybody. For our mystery guest, Steve Baldwin. Thank you. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, June Chin, who says her three sons see the whole world as their bathroom. And Ruchi Nanda, who wishes killer whales and seals could just get along. Puzzigur Archung, take it away. Thanks, Afira. June, Ruchi, your final round is called The End. Every answers contains the letters E-N-D in consecutive order. For example, if we said he's the lead guitarist for The Who, you would say Pete Townsend. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Adam Conover. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and June is going first. June, it's the U.S. historical document that begins with the words, when in the course of human events. The Declaration of Independence. That is correct. Ruchi, it's a 10-letter word originating in French that indicates a time and a place for a meeting. The, the meeting place? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry, we're looking for a rendezvous. June, this actress was nominated for an Emmy six times for her role as Joan Holloway on Mad Men. Christine. Three seconds. Christine End. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was close. We're looking for Christina Hendricks. Ruchi, he's a multiple Grammy-winning rapper with hits Swimming Pools, Drank, All Right, and Humble. Kendrick Lamar. That is correct. June, he's a botanist whose experiments crossbreeding pea plants laid the groundwork for the modern science of genetics. Mendel. Correct. Gregor Mendel. Ruchi, 2002 sports film whose title refers to a star soccer player's skill at free kicks and curling the ball around defenders. Bend it like Beckham. That is correct. June, it's a classic Alan Moore graphic novel titled V for This. Vendetta. That's right. Ruchi, on Twitter, it's a list of popular hashtags and topics displayed in a spot with this labeled. Trending. Trending or trends, that's correct. We're at the halfway point. The game is tied at three points each. June, he's the writer and illustrator of Where the Wild Things Are and In the Night Kitchen. Maurice Sendell. That's right. Sendak, 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 Sendak. I'm sorry, we're going to have to go with your original answer. I'm sorry, we're, we were looking for Maurice Sendak. I don't know. Ruchi, the first African-American poet to win a Pulitzer Prize. Her notable works include A Street in Bronzeville and Annie Allen. Three seconds. I'm sorry, we're looking for Gwendolyn Brooks. June, a retired space shuttle now exhibited at the California Science Center. Uh, Three seconds. The Enterprise. Close. We were, we were looking for Endeavor. Endeavor. That's the name of that space shuttle. Ruchi, in June 2017, the Department of Interior announced its plan to remove the grizzly bear from this list. Endangered species. Correct. June. A young relative of chicory, this plant is kept out of the light to form a small head of whitish leaves, sometimes added to salads. Endive. That is correct. Ruchi, the pancreas, thyroid, adrenal, and pituitary are part of this system of glands that secrete hormones directly into the blood. Endocrine. That is correct. The score is five to four. You each have one question left. June, to stay in the game, you must answer this question correctly. The Automat and Moldorama are examples of this kind of dispenser of products. Vending machine. That is right. Score is tied. This is the last question. Ruchi, get this correct to win. It's a national park located in western Texas, bordering Mexico. West End? No, I'm sorry. We're looking for Big Bend National Park. That means we're all tied up. Hands on your buzzers. Here's your tiebreaker question. It's the Wisconsin-based casual clothing and apparel retailer known for its mail-order business and customer service. Ruchi. Land's End. That's right. Congratulations. You're our winner. June, amazing competitor. Thank you so much. Congratulations, Ruchi. That's our show. Ask Me Another's Puzzle Guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now, Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Carol Lee, Jack Leshner, Scott Ross, and senior writers Greg Lightman and Karen Lurie. Ask Me Another's produced by Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Madeline Kaplan, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Noriko Akabe, and David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell. House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe at Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. 
Hey, if you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us, and it helps other people find us too. So for information on new episodes, upcoming live shows, and extra games, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And who knows, maybe you could win a Rubik's Cube. Thanks. Next time on Ask Me Another, we're joined by the star of the Broadway musical Hamilton, Javier Munoz. He recalls how he almost quit the business before getting his big break. Then Detective Hopper from the Netflix series Stranger Things, David Harbour plays Dungeons and Dragons, Ask Me Another style. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. 